Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 45 of God's Own Scale podcast, sponsored by Coat to Arms Paints, where the smaller it is, the bigger the reward. In this episode, I speak to Mark Fry, author of the Blitzkrieg Commander 4 rules and soon to be released Cold War Commander 2 rules, both published by friend of the show Pendraken. As usual, we started off with an agenda of things we wanted to cover, but had a good time taking diversions down various rabbit holes before coming back on track. As I always say to guests, the listeners are here to listen to them and not me, and I'm sure you're going to find the chat interesting, and it'll help you to while away a couple of hours on a commute or sat at your painting table. So Hammerhead was now nearly two weeks ago, in fact two weeks ago today, uh, and for me it was a resounding success. A great turnout of members from the Stoke Club and apparently the largest number of visitors through the door yet at a Hammerhead show, which shows that we are back on course and events like Hammerhead uh, are safe for the near future. Thank goodness that shows are back and offering us the chance to see traders again and to catch up with friends old and new and to see some wonderful displays of participation games is a real unique selling point of Hammerhead that every game put on at the show is participation and I know that two new members of the Stoke Club particularly enjoyed playing bolt action with Ken, the eccentric gamer. Martin and hopefully Neil, who hopefully will be a new member, are most welcome members to the Stoke Club and it's evidence that this hobby of ours continues to grow and reaches out to people who maybe hadn't considered wargaming before. Uh, a personal highlight for me was meeting up uh, with Nigel Atta and Andrew Lawson at the show, as well as uh, Alex uh, and Mark uh, at Sorma Steel. But uh, hopefully Andrew is going to be uh, the next guest on the podcast, actually. Uh, he's an author of several books, especially on the First World War. So once again, a little indulgence of mine to speak to uh, the author of a book that I've read and I know that Nigel uh, will hopefully be uh, releasing a further book in the future. In hobby news, the 2022 Caesars uh, from Little Wars TV is on Friday the 25th of March uh, and there's still time to cast a vote so get over to CaesarAwards.com and take a look at uh, who's been nominated not myself unfortunately this year but you can't have it all and i congratulate and celebrate with everybody who's been nominated this year the show i'm sure is going to be uh, a great one it's a wonderful initiative from the little wars tv guys to support and promote content creators in the hobby whether that's a youtube channel a podcast or a blog uh, and the show itself is bound to be lots of fun with the little wars tv guys sending themselves up in the best tradition of vaudeville and slapstick comedy uh, the day after the Caesar Awards on the 26th of March sees Pendraken open up their bricks and mortar store at Pendraken headquarters in Middlesbrough and they're kindly offering a 10% discount for any orders that you put in to collect on the day 
which is very generous. So check out their website for details. And make sure you sign up to their newsletter too to keep up to date with all the latest releases and news coming out from Pendragon. I would highly recommend it. Uh, it keeps you abreast of everything that's going on uh, up there. Okay, you're not here to listen to me rambling on. You're here for the interview with Mark. So without further ado, let's talk about six. Mademoiselle from Joining me today is Mr. Mark Fry. How are you, Mark? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on. Not at all. And thank you for jumping in at short notice uh, to have a chat with us on episode 45. No, I do normally try and find uh, some uh, some sort of uh, geeky fact around a number, but I struggled. Obviously, 42 was very easy. Uh, yes. <laughs> but 45, I, I struggled to find anything. So it's just episode 45, and we're heading towards the half century. But thanks for joining me, Mark. Uh, people will know your name because it's plastered over several rule books, uh, one of which is sat to my left-hand side that arrived today, uh, and it's the fourth edition of Blitzkrieg Commander, which... Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll get into the weeds mm. about uh, very shortly. But as we as is traditional with any new guest to the podcast, I'd like to sort of take a peek behind the curtain mm -hmm. as to what makes Mister Fry tick and Ooh. how on earth did you get involved in this strange hobby called wargaming? Okay, that, that's lovely. Well, thank you very much for for asking that. Yeah, um, I, yeah, it, I, I sort of I got I got dragged into it by my mum. So when I, unusual. when I unusual, very unusual. Yeah. So, so when I was eleven, which was a long time ago, back back in back in the sort of early seventies, my parents got divorced, and I became a very sullen, grumpy, and sort of quite angry young lad. And so my mum frog marched me one evening down to the local TA centre with the idea that she was going to enrol me in a boxing club, um, you know, sort of type thing. But instead, my eye was caught by Luton and District Wargames Association. And um, I've been wargaming ever since, 50 years plus. Um, and it was the attraction for me of seeing six by four tables absolutely groaning with beautifully painted, or I thought they were at that point in time, Napoleonic figures um, and um, uh, sort of you know, ancient medieval figures. Um, so, so it was just purely by accident. And I think my mum rude the day she ever did it, quite frankly so um but but as i say it's it's a hobby that i've enjoyed i, I was completely hooked and um you know it it, it did tick one box and my mum had a view that i needed to get a bit more male company in in in, in my life so um and but yeah so uh, literally the idea that it was you know i was going to be taken down there and have my attitude knocked out of me by somebody in a ring uh, disappeared so so that was the start um and and actually you know it Back in those days, I was buying Hinchcliffe figures. You know, the, the, I mean, you can still get them from Heinz today. But my first army was a, um, oh, uh, New Kingdom Egyptian twenty-five mil army, I think it was. Um, notorious in those days for having um, archers with arms that were unfeasibly long. So uh, yeah, <laughs> if you if you ever come across one, you'll know what I mean. But right. um, so it was good fun. It was great. And and actually, you know, literally, I was buying those almost a figure at a time 
off a stall in the local market on a Saturday with my pocket money. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, I sort of got into more serious stuff. I, um, I play all sorts of scales now um, and, you know, work my way up through all the standard sort of traditional wargaming of the time, playing sets of rules like Newbury Fast Play, Tercio, God's Acre, um, and, and then into WRG. And and while I was at college, I had a um, I had to write a thesis. And, and this is an odd one. I'm actually trained as a silversmith and a jeweler and and but one of the things you were required to do on my five-year practical course to, to learn the trade was write a thesis um now they never even looked at the damn thing at the end of the day but in the end you had to do it so i chose to do it on the history of wargaming and i spent an afternoon with phil and sue barker they were very ge- very generous and very kind to it to a sort of uh, what i would have been about 20 20 year old at that point in time um and it was it was interesting. It was interesting insight to hear how Phil um, designed his sets of rules and um, uh, move things forward. But the thing that got me hooked was Sue Barker's hordes of the things. And and to this day, I still think um, hot as it's called, as it were, is probably one of the best sets of rules ever written. Um, and I, you know, and whilst you know it's aimed at fantasy. Um, it's one of those sets of rules that I've seen people play using six mil, um, not only figures on the bases, and that works really well, but also using micro armor. And it will work beautifully. You've just got to decide what type of um, you know, uh, unit factors, your, your particular um you know sort of your vehicles if you like uh effect anyway i digress but 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 rules at that point i got really captured by rules mechanisms and became a bit of a rules mechanism geek um so it's it's an interesting thing for me that that, that it's I, I i will i i will hunt and play sets of rules where there's something about them where the mechanism achieves an interesting um effect now obviously you know i game for all the reasons that other people game which is i love the figures and i like the tactics and i love the you know the chat and all that kind of stuff and the military history but again i like a good set of rules with a good a really good mechanism um and um so yeah it was things like you know i started playing i dropped i dropped the the, the newbury and, and actually I'd, i dropped mainstream wrg i was playing fifth edition for quite a while and i played quite a lot of I'm trying to think what it was called back then, which was the um, um, oh the micro sort of modern um, sets of rules. Challenger, well, something like that. It might have been Challenger, mm. right? Challenger was one of them, and WRG. Oh, I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, it was so so. And, and I sort of I, I lost I lost the will to live at one point. I think it was there were so many variations and versions that were coming out. Um, and I started playing a set of rules called Armati, which was written by Artie Conliffe. And one of the things about Armati that I really liked was that Artie had a an eye for a mechanism to, to achieve an objective. And one of the obvious ones was that in a drawn combat, both sides took a casualty unless it would destroy them both. And everybody always used to rail against this. And then you looked at it and thought, it's the reason the games end and it's the reason quickly and it's reason the reason that the game there are so few draws in the game but by that very simple one mechanism um and i look at some of the more modern sets of rules and they'll remain nameless where you just end up with endless draws or they're not quite clear and you just think well guys guys if you just 
if you just turned the drawed combat into mutual kills, the game would be over and done with. Anyway, I mean, it was a, it, for me, that was a revelation. Um, and, I, and I still play Armati and I love it. And it has its, it, it, all its faults. Um, and and uh, one of which is that Armati's, you know, that Artie rather has, um, has completely distanced himself from it now and has moved on to other things, sadly. So it's stagnated a bit. But um, it was that, I suppose, that one realisation that sort of drew me into looking at rules in a very different way. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, where um, less mainstream ideas that move away from the six and you're dead. And the, we can name or we could sit here and name the commercially successful rules that we all know uh, that get the attention in the magazines and on YouTube, etc. But it does feel to me as a consumer and somebody who's never written a set of rules has helped to play test some but rarely contribute anything useful um that anybody who comes up with something that's slightly different slightly left of uh, left of center if you like um struggles to gain any purchase and particularly in the ancients realm because everybody is so wedded to the old wrg look of things particularly in the basin now, I, I appreciate that it doesn't take an awful lot of creativity to uh, sort out the basin uh, for uh, a, a new set of rules or a new approach. But most people in the ancient market seem to be wedded to that 40 mil frontage um, because WRG did it first. They did, exactly. And I think you're right. And I think it's it's that thing of you're trying to encourage in your player or you encourage a group of existing players to change to a new set of rules. The first thing they, they always get asked is, do I have to rebase my armies? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and that's usually the killer is, is yes, you do. I'll think about that. Then. Thank it's you. a deal breaker, isn't it? Often? it? It is. It is a deal breaker. I mean, and the other thing is also, you know, whilst I've having said that the Armati set has stagnated for a while, the danger is the opposite can be a problem and i look at things like flames of war where they went from i think it was version three to four and almost lost half their playing base because everybody had said it's too big a change um and it was you know yes it might have brought more people in and it, and it's an interesting concept that you that maybe that was the intention of battleground i mean people don't really know you know know whether that was the strategic the strategy was well actually we've sold everything we can to this lot so actually we want a new a new um uh, customer base who might play the new set of rules but i know i stopped playing flames of war at that point because it was it was a change too far for me um and you know so yes i've got hordes of 15 mil world world war ii sitting in boxes where i'm thinking yeah i mean I, I use them for for, for BKC um, uh, as playing as well, and uh, you know there will be other occasions when they'll come out of the boxes. But I think it was a, a step too far, and and Field of Glory went the same sort of way. And, yes. Yeah. Um, too many changes, too often, um, and a lot of them driven by competition playing rather than what I would call you know um, games, you know club gaming. Uh, play um so you know i think so yeah so it's it's really careful and you go and actually going back to your point about fringe 
um, fringe rules. There's a really nice set of simple um, Napoleonic rules called Muskets and Marshals, written by a chap called Ian, Ian um, Spencer. Um, and, and they're not commercial. You have to contact Ian to get them directly. But there's a brilliant combat mechanism in there. And it's one of those ones where the moment you play it, you turn around and go, that's absolutely stunning why has nobody ever thought of that before um and, and it's just a simple thing of you if of doing that thing of taking away dice so you know you, in a combat you throw the similar dice but if you're better quality you keep more dice and you can choose which ones you keep and if you're not so good quality you lose a lot of dice and you don't get a lot of choice and and it's and again, it, it, it sounds complicated, but the reality is it makes the game beautiful and really easy to replicate. Um, and I think the other thing in the mechanisms I like is, is I'm not, I don't believe in certainty in rules. Um, and, and I think that's where, where the commander set of rules appealed to me so much was that, you know, and, and and it can be one of the things that really puts people off. Actually, is this this business about you know command blunders, um, and and you'll see people screaming at, at almost at themselves at, at the wrong point. But 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 life is like that. Combat is like that. You know, troops don't don't always do what you want them to do, um, and and actually sometimes they do crazy things like advancing into the open when they shouldn't you know uh, or shooting each other you know they do that you know we know that unfortunately from real life and it's how and the, the beauty of um you know of the the commander series mechanisms um which you know um the original you know original author pete you know, jones sort of crafted and picked up from rick Priestley because it was you know originally sort of the commander series were, were were an offshoot um of warmaster um you know you can see that 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 clever element to it and again i mean that's what's you know appealed to me in terms of playing playing the original set um and and i think you know i like sets of rules that also provide a degree of freedom as well so we, we for a long time we we played a tabletop cowboy game called liberty which was written by a guy called sean mutton and um long before dead man's hand came out it was a card driven game but it was one of those games of ex absolutely extreme frustration you'd be in a brilliant position to do something and then you drew the cards and it was like I've got no shooting cards, you know, I'm, I'm stuffed, um, you know, so, so you suddenly had to change. And I think those are the kind of things that sort of appeal to me in terms of rule sets. Um, and, I, and the other thing is I'm very dyslexic, so I can't hold a lot of war games rules in my head. So I tend to stick to one set of rules for one genre or period because i can do the association uh, you know it works so you know, trying to play bolt action alongside blitzkrieg commander would blow my brains i just couldn't do it so 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 so, so i'm quite faddy that way i mean i've got a whole bookshelf lined with old sets of rules got lots of old um medieval warfare was was it was a big love of mine at one point i've got lots of medieval skirmish rules some of which i've never played but i bought them because i like the mechanisms in them um anyway sorry I, I'm, I'm conscious i'm rambling a bit here but 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 for me it it, it, it i suppose I do a lot of com competition gaming, um, and mainly in in twenty eights and fifteens. But um, 
in a funny way, I'm not that interested in winning. I'm much more interested in the game and the participating. And and, and that maybe that makes me slightly different from a lot of competition gamers. Um, I enjoy the crack and I enjoy meeting new people. And that's what competition gaming does for me, really. So so anyway, that's that's sort of me. I mean, you know, masses of soldiers, as we all we all do. And um, funny enough, I've only really got one World War Two six mil army which is um well it's it's, it's two it's a match it matching sort of northern european um sort of uh, d-day type army and I've, and i'm also terrible I, I i i replicate the same army in different scales i'm sure i'm not alone in this <laughs> you're not mark uh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> so, so not only have i got it in six i've got it in 10 i've got it in 15 um right. so i have resisted 28 I and mean, that would be too far but but um but it's but, never yeah, too far oh, it's never. No, there's no, always time there are there but but i am terrible i i i and but i am consistent so i i at one point i decided i was going to buy a certain army and i you know did the usual thing you do you work out the lists and what you're going to buy and who you're going to buy it from sent in the order and i got a note back from the the manufacturer saying we sort of remember that you bought exactly the same figures from us five years ago and i did say they remained nameless and i did say to them are you sure and they said yeah and i went in the cupboard and i bloody well had it and i hadn't painted it yes (laughs) and and i and it was exactly the same down to borrowing a few a few units or whatever and it was terrible i I did thank god they saved me but but um but there we are because i would have ended up with two of them in the box and probably never painted either of them so no 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 that's it's interesting isn't it that um we we do this to us. It sounds like I'm I'm saying we inflict this to ourselves on ourselves, but it's I think it's just all part of that hobby, isn't it? That we go through various phases where we think ten mil is where it's at or fifteen mil is where it's at, and a set of rules will come out that will interest you, and and perhaps is marketed towards that scale. So so you, you dive in, and I'm I'm as guilty as anybody in that. I've got six mil, ten mil, and fifteen mil American Civil War, which is my main period. I've got six mil and fifteen mil World War One, which is my other main period. Uh, I'm about to uh, acquire some ten mil Spanish Civil War when I've already got a sizable fifteen mil Spanish Civil War collection, which would have worked perfectly with Blitzkrieg Commander, uh, but I wanted to do it for some reason. I, I needed the specific inter- national brigade figures uh instead of just uh, sort of having proxies but um that's i think that's part of what makes this hobby so unique and that uh, there's always something new for us isn't there always something new to acquire or to uh, spark our interest whether it's a rule mechanism whether it's a new figure range there's always something for us isn't there we're never i defy any wargamer to say I'm bored. Yeah. No. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm due to retire at the end of the year, and 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 I've had a sort of, I have a very sort of intensive job, and everybody always turns around to me and said, "Oh, you won't retire. What are you going to do?" And I said, "You've got no idea what I'm going to do. I've got thousands of little things that need painting and basing and playing and checking out, and and also I'm absolutely, I'm terrible for a single figure creating an entire army. Um, I bought a few 
beautiful figure from Magister Militor a while ago, which was there. They've got, they do a Peter the Hermit art, um, figure, which is, you know, so, you know, a, a bloke waving across madly on a beard, you know, with beard and some ragged hair and sort of, you know, uh, sitting on a donkey. And of course, there's an entire army due to follow him and, and they're sitting in a box waiting to be painted now. So um, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Such is life. It is, oh. it is. What what uh, competition gaming do you do? Um, so historically, I've mainly done fifteen mil ancients or twenty eight mils. So not really the sort of focus of of um, of, uh, of 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 the uh, the particular you know, the, the podcast. But but um, his, you know, in the past, I'd used to do sort of competition, sort of six mil cold war basically a long time ago there used to be a big show i'm trying to think it was leicester or somewhere where it was something like a big model show you'd go and there was there was always a um a cold war um um event and i remember my swedes getting absolutely mangled every single time um it was usually someone would turn up and have sort of night fighting stuff and i wouldn't why and you you thought yourself why why do the swedes in the 1970s and 80s not have any night fighting gear i mean it's just ridiculous (laughs) half 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 their year is spent in darkness um but yeah so would that would that be uh the competitions on those painted boards yes you've got it yeah, I've, I've seen those competitions many times over the years at, at the Derby Worlds back in the day, and uh, I think Warfare maybe as well. I've seen that sort of thing, but it's always intrigued me because you'd have these painted roads and there'd be a long line of tanks <laughs> moving up it, and I, I never really understood what was going on, to be honest. No, and, and, and it's interesting now, of course, sadly, with what's going on in the Ukraine, where, you know, you're looking at these drone footages and what have you got? Long lines of tanks yes. on roads. So, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, that one, yeah. So, so yeah, the competition stuff has, has, has mainly drifted in into 20, 28 mil at the moment, and I don't do as much as I... I did historically partly because i'm sort of working towards this retirement at the end of the year and keeping keeping everything sort of neat and tidy in terms of filling up the pension and all that kind of good stuff but um but yeah more more grist to the mill though for buying more figures absolutely and and yes and i think you know covid's been an interesting one on the basis that i have bought less figures because I'm a great buyer of figures off bring and buy stalls. So I, I believe I believe in war games recycling. I, that's that, that's my excuse. You know, I, I mean, it's my it adds to my green credentials. But I am a I am a sucker for eBay and I'm a sucker for bring and buy stalls. Oh, you and me both. I was at the Hammerhead show uh, last weekend, and there's um, the 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 sort of modern version of the bring and buy is the, are these tabletop sales now where people hire the table for two hours and put and put the wares on it and i quite like the, the model actually because it refreshes every two hours whereas i bring them by at a tr- traditional show most of the good stuff's probably gone by lunchtime yeah uh, and then there's the dregs that are left af- after lunchtime but this this refreshed every two hours i quite liked it but it, yeah, it, nice. it, it really got the juices flowing as well as the probably the first show i think well certainly the first show i've been to since lockdown where uh, I got the sense of being back at a proper war game show right. where there's you know all all bets were off and uh, there's lots to see and do on the on mm. the uh, on the sh- uh, show floor and the bring them, and the tabletop sale was brilliant as well. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. No, we're no. here. We're here to talk about <laughs> your uh, experience of being a published rules author. So. Um, 
how did you become involved in the Blitzkrieg Commander writing? Mm. And have you got experience prior to this? Was this the first set of rules? Yeah, you I mean, I, I'd written sets before, um, but not in a, not on a commercial basis. I'm a great tinkerer, so I'd adapted. Um, I, I'm a member of the Society of Ancients, and and um, they ha- they have a big annual members conference every year, and one of the things that I'd been sort of thinking about for many years was, and this is the you know, this is one of those mad Mark Fry things was, was how do you how do you convert Wings of War into a biblical chariot game? And um, well, I had, I had That's this, a natural step. I don't know a, why nobody's done it no, before. Exactly. But well, the theory behind it in my head was basically that actually. Bronze Age chariot warfare is almost exactly like aerial dogfighting, except yeah. obviously, yeah, you know, on the basis that you've got, you know, somebody driving the chariot, someone, you know, driving the the. I wouldn't say it's a Sopworth camel because that's only a single seater, but you know what I mean. And the idea was that you know, moving around, shooting, and so so. And I, you know, I wrote to the guys who 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 um uh, who produced Wings of War and said, "Do you mind?" And they went, "No, no, you know, happy to do it. Just don't produce it commercially," and that was fine. So I. Wrote a set of rules, did a talk at the at the conference, set up a, um, a a game using those rules effectively, and it was a roaring success. Um, and you know, and 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 everybody loved it. And and to this to this day, I still get some notes from people saying, "Can I buy a copy?" And it's like, well, you can't buy a copy, and you also need to buy a set of we of um, Wings of War because you need the you know, all the cards, etc. But 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 so that that was one of my that was my first I suppose close to sort of I wouldn't say commercial um, but it, I got into to, to doing um, the rules writing around BKC um, but purely by accident which was that that you know we've been playing in the club which is the Barclay Vale Club a lot a lot of um, Cold War Commander and, and funny enough a lot of a Future War Commander um, again all in six mil um, we used to hold sort of regular what we used to call a boot camp weekends at the so the pub we we were playing in had a good accommodation and great food and, and a huge um, bowling alley that we could use so so we'd set these things up and then one of the club members, a chap called Alan Millichip, was contacted by Leon um, from Pendracken saying, look, I, I'm, I've got this bit of a problem with BKC3. I, 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 I need someone to help me rewrite, rewrite it effectively to become BKC4. And Alan suggested that I would do it. And, uh, and if I'm honest, up until that point, I'd never played BKC at all. I had no interest. I mean, it was one of those things where I I was very happy playing Cold War Commander, and I loved it, and I absolutely adored um, Future War Commander because of the flexibility. And again, going back to you know, um, you know, Pete Jones, uh, the original author, Pete had started BKC as the first set, then went to Cold War, and then went to Future War. So, in 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 a some ways, a lot of what he'd done with Future War Commander was he'd taken and improved on BKC, was my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was asked by Leon to do it, and and, um, and I had a good conversation with him, and, and I felt that what he was trying to do was very, um, I'm going to use a, an odd phrase here, he was very noble. Um, you know, a, a, you know a, lot, a lot of other publishers and manufacturers would have gone, well, you know, there's been a, a problem here, but you guys have paid for it tough sort of type thing. Um, and Leon did the right and noble thing and, 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 and basically, you know, 
took the rules back in and and and, and went to rewrite it. And I think when you look at what I, the first thing I did was was say, well, what was wrong with BKC3? I didn't even own a copy of it. So so Leon had to send it to me. I looked back at BKC2 and 3, and my, my observation fundamentally was that it was too big a step. It was revolution rather than evolution. And that there was... And so the chap who'd rewritten them uh, and he didn't, hadn't really done anything wrong. It's just he'd lost sight of the audience you know the franchise if you like and um the franchise is very strong it's and so i, I sort of took a view when i was rewriting that really what i was doing was i needed to um bring this this audience that had been very disenfranchised and and, and quite hurt i think a lot of them have felt felt hurt by this sort of and, 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 and i you know, I'm making it sound very emotional, but we do get emotional about sets rules. I mean, you know, yeah, um, these are things that we play for many years and then all of a sudden they change and we don't like it. Um, and I've got that going on with the set of rules I play a lot at, at that moment, which is which has just gone from three to version three to version four and has dr dramatically changed the, the way it plays. And it's one of those things where, you, you, you know, talking to the author of that particular set, um, he said, well, I was under pressure and you go, ah, okay, fine. Right. And so that was another thing I thought was, well, actually, if you're going to do this, Mark, you've got to, you know, you need to be very clear about your guidelines and your, um, I suppose your ethics in terms of what you're going to do. And, and so I basically boiled the sets of rules down the commander series into what I call core mechanisms. So what are the core mechanisms that sit across BKC, CWC, and FWC. And by doing that, it was easy to go, well, actually, you can take some of the things that were in BKC3 that, that did work and no one complained about and were fine because they weren't core. And I think so, so, so part of the rewrite for me or the writing of, of, of BKC4 was around that franchise. Now, I was quite happy not to play to the audience. There were certain requests that came in where you just think, no, that's actually somebody grinding their own axe and I'm not going to do that. Um, and you have to suffer the slings and, you know, the, the positives and the negatives, put it that way, um, on those kind of things. But but it was also about collaboration. It was going, well, actually, there are, there's a huge body of errata here and, and changes that have been talked about for a long time on the forum. I spent days going back on the on the, the both the old um, um, oh what was it uh, specialist military publications yeah that S, something like that which 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 is which which was the old website looking at the errata and looking at the suggested changes identifying the ones that could be uplifted and taken in um going back to some people and going you're pushing this a lot but you do realize it will have that effect that effect that effect and then very often they'd go oh i didn't realize that you know it, it and i think it's when you're playing a set of rules it's quite easy to miss that if you change one bit the knock-on effect somewhere else can be catastrophic and and um so yeah so, so so i mean that's a long sort of you know uh, sort of answer to the question but it, it so it was an unusual it was a really unusual situation to be in that you had a loved franchise that you were trying to repair and rebalance and that's really what i saw as being what leon was asking me to do um 
and yeah it it seems to have worked i mean there are still you know occasionally people who will throw the odd rock at me about it but um by and large it was successful and um you know we we, we a lot of that was down to play testing we we had groups of people in as far afield canada the us australia france uh chap in italy um uh, and the uk play testing before before we got anywhere near even a final draft on it um and that was helpful and they were playing in different scales one of the australian um, play testing groups was playing in 20 mil which was quite interesting because there were they threw up a lot of interesting things because you know i i tend to view a built-up area as a template they needed to because you know, i play six mil they were interested in floors and doors and you know that kind of stuff so how do you fit that into a set of rules where actually the real aim is at the 10 mil and six mil um massed tank battles um but then again it was also interesting that you know you look at a lot of um particularly early world war two and there's, there's lots of infantry and there's cavalry and there's 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 tanks that aren't really that good um how do you build that in um to, to a set of rules where fundamentally it was originally really aimed at sort of almost a sort of barbarossa campaign style massed tank action um which is fine it's great and then and and, and, and but the rules have to have that balance um and you know it was also the there was there was a certain lobbying group that was keen for more you know more impact on of, of air in the rules for example um and then you look at the act what air actually does on the on the on a second world battle world war, world war battlefield it's relatively minimal all the activity is is, is actually at, at the bridgeheads at you know at the train the train junctions and shipping yards etc it doesn't tend to actually be on on the actual battlefield um unlike a modern cold war um game for example um so so again it, it's that fine balance um you know i developed a thick skin um i got some very interesting emails from people at certain points but 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 generally they were they were few um and there is always going to be a group and there still is a group that plays bkc2 quite happily um occasionally they'll drift on into four um and go back again and also the other thing there was a franchise of of bkc3 players who never knew any different so, really yeah oh yes yes they, 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 and, and so there was a we had leon and i felt really clear we had to attempt to accommodate so they're them in, in in the whole process and communicate with them um so a lot of them were younger gamers who'd not had that bkc2 cold war you know future war experience and had just come clean to to bkc3 so um you know it was um yeah it was an it was an it was an interesting experience um to, to say the least and i think you know I come back to the point. I think Leon was very brave in what he did, but actually it's worked out well, um, and it's a good base to be moving forward with the other the other sets. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I followed. I followed what went on around uh, BKC3, and I have to say, my heart went out to Leon um, because, let's face it, war, most war games companies aren't oligarchs, are they? To use a um, a current phrase uh and the amount of money that leon was talking about was phenomenal to be honest 
for a small wargaming business to um, to uh, lash out with uh, to to right the wrongs that were perceived with BKC3. And I, I, I'm not familiar with what the issues were particularly. I've done my due diligence prior to this interview and looked back through the various threads. And uh, it's a rabbit hole from which you could never emerge at some point. It's, uh, it's, it goes on for pages and pages, doesn't it? But um, for Leon to um, put the reputation of Pendragon first above everything and the needs of the customer first above any financial considerations, I thought was an amazing response. Uh, and let's face it, Leon is one of the nicest people in the business. There's no question about that. And, um, it, you know, he's a very personal guy. Uh, but all the same, when you're looking at such a financial out, outlay to correct what had gone wrong, um, I've I, I got admiration for him. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's no, um, and, and really I, well done. Yeah, and I and I think and, and uh, you know the chappy that rewrote BKC three is a very successful rules writer. Um, you know, you know, um, uh, uh, the the fantasy set of rules which I play, you know, Warband is a great set of rules. It's 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 lovely. Um, and I come back to the point about evolution versus revolution, and I think that to me was the fundamental thing, which meant. For me, I had to go back to BKC2 and some of the original principles around the whole, as I say, around the whole Commander series. Um, and I think, you know, the other thing, you know, that, that was helpful in all of that was that, you know, I, I love the set of rules myself. So it was it was easy to see um, how it could be moved forward, but but it had to be done in a way that was gentle. Um, and, and I think so some of the the other elements that have come in so you, you mentioned the spanish civil war and the um um you know the supplement as it were the libertad sub supplement those supplement allow allow me to experiment a bit so there are rules mechanisms in there the, the line commander rule and it'll be interesting when you do your, your own replay to see how you make it work but but that I wanted to put in because we were moving more into a infantry heavy um, rather than armor heavy combat. And it was always one of the big challenge. Big infantry games in BKC were always a big challenge. Um, and in fact, in any of the commander games because of the command mechanisms. Um, if you went back to BKC, see the original BKC one, it was easier to move infantry around um, because you had that, ability of putting a commander in a unit which is really what 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 the line commander rule is um but it seems to work and and for me there was an also an evolutionary interest because in my head yes i've got cold war commander next on my list um and i've got future war commander in my sights i've also got a great war commander um set in the back of my head um and i've got a long standing um project which is a um, a fantasy commander set of rules which i mean is almost tolkien-esque in its scale i am sitting on you know piles of printed paper on my desk i've got to, i've got to edit it down but all of them require mechanisms that will allow you to move large numbers of troops um across the table um easily and quickly for a game that you in theory you you know you, you want to finish of an evening if you can get away with it well, my ears have picked up, absolutely, uh, because the Great War is um, probably, uh, mass, ooh, I don't know, it, it, it alternates between the American Civil War and the Great War. 
uh, and I have a huge collection of six mil Great War to play uh, Great War Spearhead with. Um, but I was, as I was doing my research around Blitz, the Blitzkrieg Commander or the Commander series, I was thinking, I wonder if there was a, a First World War version yeah, somewhere or in somebody's it's, mind. It's in my mind, and, and it's interesting. I mean, because I think the other thing for me is, um, and that's been triggered part of some some things have been partly triggered by working on another supplement. We're working on I'm working on a Korean War supplement at the moment. I have to say I struggle with Korean War um, because I just don't find it particularly interesting. So it's quite difficult for me to actually get excited about it. Um, but there are some things in there. You've got that strange mix of sort of, you know, the communist forces almost behaving like World War One. Um, and yet you've got a lot of tech around. Um, but there are things like, you know, the Americans using st static smoke dispensers. And, you know, how do you, you know, chemical dispensers to, to create sort of large clouds of artificial smoke. So which comes close to some of the World War One, um, you know, sort of... Um, well, the the original sort of gas mechanisms, as it were, for combat, um, and and I, I'm a great I'm a great film watcher as well. So I, I I've just completed watching you know in you know the uh, War Below, and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, how am I going to how am I going to do large scale mining on this table? How do you, how am I going to make that work? But um, no, I you know I think it's really interesting, and, and I tend to play early um, great great war so i've got it both in in six and uh, sorry in 10 and um uh, in uh, 20 mil the old britannia 20 mils and uh, you know so the the pickle helms and sort of the uh, you know the rush, rushing around in the daimler armored cars and the cavalry um but then at the other end you've got how do you make trench warfare interesting and how do you make it actually work um but that also fits into a supplement that's going to come out alongside well it'll come out after cold war because i'm still working out which is you know, there's a whole supplement on urban street fighting to be done, um, which, you know, again, is, is going to be very interesting, but again, looks a lot like World War One in many respects. So, um, so will that be pandering to the sort of Stalingrad crowd or yeah, it will uh, be yes um it, you, you, fundamentally the mechanisms will be allowed to operate you allow you to operate stalingrad um and sadly it'll allow you to also to operate sort of grozny as well if you wish to so um, but also going sort of back in into into world war into world war one as well yeah Okay, well, it sounds like there's lots, lots of plates being spun. At the there moment. are, and Leon has to keep me under control. So the focus at the moment is very much on Cold War, um, which is due for launch if the show goes ahead, and hopefully it will do. Although I'm watching the the show playlist slowly cancel as we head forward, but we're due to um, launch at um, uh, Partisan in in may um so you know and we're on track so we we've had in all the final um errata and play testing has come in so uh we've got new mechanisms um in in cold war we've got um whole sections on helicopter combat which we're always sort of vaguely there but 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 have come to the fore a little bit more um some changes to anti-tank weapons but there was a lot of complaint that you were paying a lot of money for things that didn't really do what they were supposed to be doing in cold war commander um one that is um so yeah and it's looking good i mean you know i'm i'm, I'm not getting the five six sides of a four uh, comments in errata that i was on bkc 
um, four from from the from the playtesters. They're, they're being they're being gentle with me this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they trust you now because uh, they've yeah, seen. Oh us. yeah, hopefully so. I mean, and, you know, yeah. I mean, there were some interesting things with BKC. There was a there was one particular group that was sort of had a view that maybe I'd overcomplicated reconnaissance for um, for World War Two, and that probably reflects my love of, of Cold War. So, um, um, but yeah, there are. I think that was the other thing we decided to do. There were some things where it was easier to put optional rules in, where people could agree to it. And we know there are some groups that just don't play the full recce at all. They they play the sort of cut down version. Um, but but the rules will work either way, and that they're designed to do that. So it's not. You, you, there are so there are things where you can just say, well, actually, no, that's we don't do that. We're going to do it that way, and, and as long as everybody agrees, um, that's fine. I'm, and normally I'm against those kind of things. I mean, um, the the Barclay Vale Club is a pretty hard school of knocks around sets of rules, and I think most war games clubs are. Any rule that arrives that says, and on this point. If it's not clear, you must agree. Goes straight in the bin. It's it's we 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 have what's called the recrimination phase at the end of every game in a big game where everybody will sit down and go, well, that didn't bloody well work over a pint, over a pint afterwards. Um, and some rules don't make it past the first play. I mean, I'm, there still remain nameless, but we all bought a whole load of figures to play. Um, I'm going to say the name. Bought a border reaver set of rules. Um, painted them up played the set of rules once, worked out it didn't work, and we've never ever used the border reaver figures ever again. <laughs> and we still and we still struggle to find a set of rules because every now and then someone goes, you know those border reaver figures? And we all go, yeah, all right, okay, fine. I mean in fact many of them have been turned into frostgrave bands by now. Oh yeah, that kind of stuff. So so um but yeah so so yeah, it's, it's, but gen generally, I, I prefer a set of rules that's pretty clear in what it's what it says it does on the tin. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I suspect that's the competition gamer in you, is it? That um, wants that clarity. Yeah, it does. Although you know, things like playing, I say we play quite a bit of role play. So things like Frostgrave or um, this Liberty um, Cowboy game is is really fluid to say the least. I mean, in in the Liberty game, you. you 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 have to create little six six figure bands um and my and and they, and they're themed so mine is the nolan sisters so i've got a load of female cowboys um somebody else has got the james may gang with colored waistcoats you know it's like it's like but but there that but that's okay because it's it's almost as if it's yeah it, it's acceptable but there are certain things you just don't muck around with in world war Two and cold war and you know you know ancients or, and, and and napoleonics is a really weird one i have never found and, and you're bound to get some commentary from people on this i've never found a set of napoleonic rules that really works i mean i really like muskets and marshals as i mentioned earlier but from ian but it's very simplistic, deliberately. It's designed for playing with old Hinton Hunt and Jack Slick figures, you know, with gloss green painted bases and that kind of stuff. So it works really well. But I've thrown more Napoleonic sets of rules away than I than I can ever think of. I don't, in fact, I don't think I've got any left on my on my um, on my uh, bookcase at the moment. So, uh, um, but there we are. That's just me. But I, but there are sets, um, so there's rules like bloody big battles for example which again are quite fluid um and and i enjoy those tremendously yes it, it is a strange hobby in that um 
if pe- if you try to explain this to somebody who's never been exposed to wargaming, um, the closest I think um, analogy you can give is chess, where there's one set of rules that's been followed for thousands of years, and yet uh, there's rarely two wargamers that agree on one set of rules. Never mind a club agreeing on a set of rules that is the you know the perfect set or the the best set ever. Uh, if you put a hundred wargamers in a room, then you'd have a hundred different answers as to what was the best set of rules. Uh, and even if they find some consensus, there'll be house rules or different interpretations of what was written. So it it really is a minefield. But just just going back to um, Blitzkrieg Commander Four, then. So um, I, I'm I'm fairly sure you were confident that you got a good product when you submitted it to Leon, but was there any sort of nervousness come come <laughs> come release day because of what had happened to Blitzkrieg Three? Uh, but I think not only because of what had happened to Blitzkrieg Three, but also just generally that this was for me was my first sort of inverted commas proper commercial set of rules. So so there was always going to be that. Plus the fact the club being the club, they'd all sort of gone, yeah, well it's all right, isn't it? Sort of type thing, you know. Um, so there, so there, 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 there wasn't that there wasn't that ringing endorsement that I was expecting. But actually, it what helped ahead of time was that that the feedback from you know very disparate groups of play testers around the globe who who um there were some great comments and great feedback and so that was really helpful and, and then when it went live and we sold as many as we did in fact we sold out i think leon's looking at another print run at the moment um you know that was that that was it was reassuring and helpful um and I think you know we went through a big errata phase after, and 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 that was a bit disturbing. Um, that was like being pulled, you know, eaten by piranha, basically. Um, but but an awful lot of it was around the army lists, and I think that's where we learned. We've learned a lot with 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 Cold War. Um, the decision has been made. The army lists are going online. There are going to be a couple in the book, but that's fine. Examples, but but leave aside the fact that. You know, we had enough trouble with World War Two, which is only what six years, and here we are looking at fifty, um, and 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 so much more in terms of not only technology but but just general methodologies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and countries, etc. So the decision was taken to put it online, and that just makes it so much easier. Um, you know, I'd get people sending me emails offline going, "You've forgotten this X Y Z version of that," and you'd go, "But they only produce six of the bloody things." Yeah. Um, um, and, and but they still want them. Oh, they want them. They've got to have <laughs> yeah, them. And yeah. and also, I think that's in some ways, Flames of War has sort of created that kind of, of mentality, which is, well, where's this funny list with you know the the the, the entire brigade that was armed with wheelbarrows? And you go, well, yeah, all right, okay, fine, we'll put it in. But when you've got a printed set of of, of army lists, it's a real problem. Um, and the army lists um, that we've got will. They're more fluid than they were under um, uh, CWC one, for example, um, um, because they, uh, you know, because they're online for a start, and they and, and also they they break out a lot of the countries that were all grouped as NATO. But going back to BKC, I think if we if we'd done that and we'd stuck to our guns, but again, you know, 
going back to the the, the sort of you know evolution versus revolution um it would i think that would have been a step too far but i think now we're in a stage where people are realizing you just can't put that number of army lists in a book um and we don't want to go down the sort of the osprey flames of war route where you've got sort of thousands of books of army lists because it's it's not not the way leon's mind works or or, or mine in particular so um so I think if we do any updates to BKC4, let's call it BKC4A or B or whatever you want to call it, I think it's more likely that we'll start putting army lists online. I mean, I don't hold me to that, but 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 I think it would make life an awful lot easier because even even now we're getting errata, people sort of go, well, that thing there that you know that that Mark IV version B didn't behave that way, and you're going, well, yeah, I agree, it didn't. We you know we didn't we didn't pick it up. Um, is, but but changing it is a is a major print run, folks. I, I think it's to be honest. I think it's um, a major step forward to do that because um, I've I've played games now and bought rule sets for games where on the day of release the rule book is invalidated because there's been so many mistakes or errors where an errata is needed within days of release. So effectively. The book that I've just spent thirty quid on it is is out of date already, um, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that was the case with BKC four, but I think I think as a model moving forward, I think it's a great idea because it almost becomes a living document then um, that you can update however frequently you you so wish, whether it's uh, a monthly or yearly thing, then uh, that, that's a decision where you can uh, point the uh, consumer to to say, "There's only you've just got a couple of um, lists in the CWC book, but there's a whole host of lists that are going to be available on on the uh, website." Yeah, and, and and I think you're right, and it also gets over this thing of, you know, "Will there be a BKC five? Probably not, you know, because you, you know, it, it it will end up being an updated PDF. Um, it might be that that some will be printed. Who knows? But 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 it, you know, hopefully we won't get into that sort of that that's a vicious cycle and it, and the cost as well. So so that was good. And I think, um, you know, the you know the reception was, you know, was good. It was positive. Um, you know, and and and. I know it was great to get the support, and I and I and I I I, th- you know, I, th- I was going to say I thank my loyal readers for that, you know, but in, in in the nicest way that you know it was really helpful. Um, and um, yeah, it has meant that, for example, you know, CWC two and potentially future war two, uh, commander two um, will be like more likely to happen because of that. So so that that yeah. that worked really well. So. How soon did you start working on CWC two after BKC four? Um, almost immediately. Um, although it did it did take a, um, a sidestep whilst we were doing um, the, the Civil War supplement, and in the, in theory it was supposed to take a sidestep whilst we're doing the Korean War. But as I say, I, I'll, I'll get there with the Korean War stuff. I've just got to I've got, got I've got to be in the right mindset. I think so. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, I can understand that. Yeah, but but it's. Um, I think the other thing that helped was there were a lot of games where a lot of groups playing Cold War who had a, had their own house rules. And one of the things I did, I put out an appeal for house rules. What I found was an awful lot came in was very similar from across very disparate groups, not only in the UK but geographically. So that was really helpful. So 
you know, in many ways, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm not really a rules writer in a funny way. I'm a collator, of, an assessor of interesting ideas. Well, and, and, and pull I pull these know, things together. Yeah. yeah you know, a facilitator. I, a facilitator is a nice way yeah. to put it. And, and there are some there are some few bits and pieces of my own in there. Um, but 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 for me, it was really important. I mean, what was interesting was that just about everybody was playing helicopters the same way. Um, and it wasn't the way in the book. What they'd done is they'd taken future, the whole of the future war commander on table aerial combat and turned it into a helicopter station. And and it worked and it was really good. And, you know, it meant, you know, you could have your hinds moving around across table behaving like so basically flying tanks. Um, yeah. So so and that was missing. And in some ways, it's a sort of for me, it was it's a real part of the Cold War, um, you know, battlefield. And we, you know, as we're seeing in Ukraine at the moment, you know, those helicopters are important and, and they're around. And um, the idea that they didn't appear on the table to me was an anathema in Cold War, um, you know, you know, the Cold War commander. Anyway, but yeah, you know, so, so that was really helpful and interesting. And I think um, there were some bits we we took out. You know, there were a number of people who said, well, that bit just never works. We never use it. And a lot of people didn't use it. And that's it. it, it but it wasn't again, I come back to this thing about understanding the core mechanisms. It wasn't a core mechanism. And I, and again, going back to the, the, the beauty of, of what Rick Priestley and, and what Pete Jones did was they created these these core mechanisms, which I think can go back not only to Great War. I think you could probably go. I'm I'm not convinced they can do what I call uniform wars. I don't think they can quite do Napoleonic. So I'm I'm very happy to be told otherwise. But they might be able to do ancients, or they might be able to do fantasy. Um, in fact, they definitely will do fantasy. But but it's um, but the, those mechanisms run. Uh, and, and and there were some interesting things that came out of um, BKC three the you know, the splitting of the fire factors so that you know had you had armor piercing stuff and yeah and you had sort of anti personnel stuff effectively, which we've now done and split you know in BKC um, four but will also be happening in 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 Cold War Commander two. Interesting whether we'll bother doing that in future war because I, I'm not convinced it's necessary, but we'll see. Um, but the other thing I've started to do is introduce different um, profiles. So it, it's very minor in Cold War, but there are some things which are big and you you just go, well, why have I not been able to see that bridge layer, for example, moving behind that hedge? Well, of course I can see it. It's a large, it's a large unit, effectively, large profile unit. So that will skip over from Cold War into future war where you've already got massive units but you haven't got any anything in between so um so yeah so it's quite good fun to shift some of the things in cold war right the way back to potentially you know to ancients and say well actually the way that behaves it's actually a, a mechanism that could work quite happily for i don't know stone throwers or whatever it might be you know if you know what i mean so rather than it being an artillery piece in the traditional sense but um yeah, I'm rambling a bit, but you get the idea. <laughs> Not so. I'm absolutely fascinated because um, although I've been, I've played uh, Blitzkrieg Commander, the original, and a little bit of two. It was many years ago, and I feel like I've just rediscovered this whole um, volume of work uh, because I enjoyed uh, Blitzkrieg Commander one. I played early war Russians, so I was often very frustrated where my uh, 
opponent playing with the Panzers, it felt like he was dancing around me whilst I was struggling to get anything going. But I actually, winning has never been a, a, a an issue for me in wargaming because if I, if I judge my enjoyment of the hobby on winning, I would be very miserable and yeah, would have taken no, up I, fishing. I, I know the thing. But going back to your early war, that's a classic use where you should take the mechanism from um, the Civil War, Spanish Civil War supplement, the line commander rule, and apply it to your Russians. I think it will change the game. It, it doesn't change it to the detriment of the German. It just makes it more enjoyable for the Russian. And I think that's an interesting uh, other factor i have a general belief that there shouldn't be a bad army now you can argue maybe there 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 are um, but you know it should be possible and we have a chap in the club who plays with a sort of dutch you know sort of east indies army against the japanese and actually it's a really interesting army to play with um and at one point we haven't done it yet but there is due to be a, an additional army list for a, a thai army as well which of course you know was neutral and but but effectively is full of of really interesting small amphibious tankettes um and you argue well it's it's, a, it's an interesting army so that but it should stand a chance and i think um or it should it should make a really good game um and then you're talking to somebody at the moment who's, who is building his his peasants crusade army of course which was <laughs> so so it's it's you know can i make that work with the set of rules i play we'll see we'll see but, uh, <laughs> well if you're writing the rules no i'm not you know this is this is somebody else's set of rules so, oh, okay. so, so, okay. so it's, in that case it's probably probably a lot easier to do but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah but yeah so um i feel like i'm i'm being reintroduced to this set of rules which is why i I reached out to you, and the Spanish Civil War has always been has always been a major interest of mine. Um, so when I picked up the Libertad uh, supplement, I was really excited to to see that and see how that was going to be integrated into the uh, into the main mechanisms within uh, the main rule book. But was that always on the cards that the Spanish Civil War was going to have its supplement? Yes, it was. I mean, I, I mean, you know, it, there there is a, a strong sort of um, group of, of players, you know, sort of regular BKC players who were very keen to to include it, um, and and it was an interesting one because we did look at you know, do we create that sort of into what I would call the into an interwar set of rules, which would include sort of things like sort of Russian Civil War, etc., and there are various Balkan wars, but the view was taken well actually you're so close with spanish civil war you might as well just do the supplement and 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 the thing that was interesting for me was the army lists and and the ability to try and put special um ability factors around the um the different factions for example you know particularly you know how 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 is the phalange going to behave or how is the you know how how carlist going to behave and so that was quite interesting and i think it was interesting also to look at things like well how do you replicate the street fighting in barcelona where you know you've you've basically got not particularly great tanks trying to go through barricades made out of sort of you know four foot square three inch thick sort of paving stones um you know and 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 for me some of the scenarios around things like you know the defense of the post office etc were interesting to have in a in a in a supplement book that would look a bit odd in a, in in the big book because they're so um you know uh, specialist if you like um, yeah they're edge cases aren't they yeah they, they are yeah and and i think you know um i mean of course this, this 
I mean, all all warfare's emotion emotive. Um, the Civil War, I, I knew a bit about beforehand. I did a lot of reading, and some of the stuff I discovered was more shocking than I thought. And, and oh, it's and grim, isn't it? It's it really, really is grim. grim. Um, yeah. and, and I think it was very difficult at one point where I was sitting reading this stuff, thinking, should we be doing this? You know, should we be actually doing this? But but. What was interesting is we sent a lot of the play testing out to some of the Spanish players and they came back and said, no, this is right. This is good. And, you know, you're getting the balance right. And, you know, you've managed to avoid being, you know, sort of emotional or judging about things. And and I think that was also important to me. It's it's an interesting sort of educational process for me to write rules. and yeah, so in that respect, it was helpful. Um, I just wish I could say the same about career. I know, I just, <laughs> and I, and I'm sure you, you'll, you'll be flooded with people going, yeah. well, it's, it's a really interesting war. And I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure it is. But and, 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 I, and I am, I, I know I have got the, um, oh, I can't remember what we were talking earlier, but the, the chap's book, we were talking about Arden and uh, it's gone from my head. Oh, and, uh, Anthony Beaver. Beaver, yeah, Anthony yeah. Beaver. I've got the Korean one as well. And I just, it's, I, yeah, I, I get through it and I sort of go and I'll read it again and go, I must be missing something here, folks. Mm. But there we are. But uh, there we are. I think I'm more <laughs> into their own. Yeah, I'm probably I might be more interested in the in the in the in the in the war in the air over Korea than I might be on the ground. But 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 even then, there are some things. So things like fighting in extremely cold temperatures, and we've got a bit of that in the supplements um, um, in BKC. Um, for around some of the stuff that you know the winter war and the Finns, where in fact, I mean some really interesting stuff. So the, the business with the, sh- the, the Finns p- actually anchoring um, full-scale shipping mines, you know, underwater, under lakes, so that, magnetic ones, so they would freeze over. And when the Russians ran the tanks over, of course, they were magma- magnetic mines. Woomph. So, and you just think. Blimey, you know, it, you know, it, it, there's, there's the, the creativity um, and the Finns pouring water um, over their their bunkers, so they add extra layers of ice on the outsides, which is so you when you actually look at the bunkers, they're black because of the, the layers of of ice that are there. So yeah, I mean, interesting things like that, you know, and, and those little things. It's like, well, the shipping mines I can include. The bits with the ice on the bunkers, uh, yeah, we can upgrade them a bit. But, but some things you have to leave out, you know, because um, it's it, for me also, it's I'm not looking at a skirmish set of rules. So I'm looking at, you know, and, and in the nicest way, I'm not a rivet counter or a sprocket guy. I, I don't know, um, you know, how many shells are, you know, a, a, a Churchill tanks carrying or a Tiger. It, I, that doesn't interest me. I'm interested more in the the flavor and movement and i remember someone said well we we did the um the scenario out of um oh what's what's the brad pitt movie i'm gonna i'm going i'm fury thank you we did the scenario and the 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 tiger the tiger lost and you just think okay maybe i've made it work and they then came back so we did it three other times and the tiger won and i said well okay that's fine you know it's a good one but 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 that's interesting as well so so the other thing i like about bkc and and the commander sets is you know i've got a a a friend a friend in in bristol who plays on a four by four table you know and he plays with very small numbers of uh, points 
but gets a really good game out of it. Um, and I think for me, that's also important. I love the great games. I love, you know, Brits, you know, the, the big Cold War commander type, wall to wall, 18 foot long, six foot wide, get it on the table type games. Equally, I like a game of an evening where I can put half a dozen units on the table and a bit of a scenario and we get a result. Um, and, and, and again, that always appealed to me about about um, the commander set, um, that you could do that, run the points right down and play a simple game and the mechanism still worked. And I think that's that's a difficult um, thing to hit, isn't it? I, I'm not sure all sets of rules out there cope with that scalability, if you like, where you can play on the 18-foot table or you can play on a three-foot square table and still have uh, an interesting, intellectually challenging game. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and and I think, again, going back to the simplicity of rules, I've played some really good, simple, online, um, sort of uh, World War One Dreadnought-type rules, downloadable stuff, where, you know, you've got, two ships and a, an eight foot table and you're busy maneuvering around each other to get that that, that angle um and that that also influences me quite a lot in terms of the way you design a game it's is it fun when you when you're doing that because if it's not it's not worth doing um in my opinion um and in fact any game yeah any, any war game where you're spending more time setting up than playing worries me basically <laughs> <laughs> There's not yeah. enough time, Mark. Oh, no, our, our lives are short and we don't get enough time gaming, but yeah, no, I agree in time. No. So, uh, Cold War Commander 2, hopefully out, uh, I think it's the 22nd of May, as parties on, because I've just, uh, I've just had some leave granted so I can attend. I'm sure I've seen Leon put up something to suggest that you might be putting a participation game on um i'm there um with, with others putting on a participation participation game yes so i look forward to seeing people i'll be around to be either grabbed by the collar or um you know, <laughs> bought, bought the odd cup of tea i'm quite yeah. happy with that so yeah, yeah. but or, even, or answer questions. to shake your hand and say yeah, well that done. would be nice yeah that would be lovely thank you nice. yeah, that would be absolutely lovely but yeah the, and, and and this is going to sound really odd i've never met leon in person Oh wow! Okay. Everything because of lockdown, everything we've done, and because I because of, for me for certain family commitments, but also work and the fact that I live in Bristol and he lives you know way up up north. Um, mm. We've never beyond met. the wall, I think. Beyond the wall, yeah, yeah, exactly. So so this is going to be a great occasion when hopefully we'll all get together and uh, we'll put on a big game. Um, and uh, 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 you know I've got um, some other Cold War commander colleagues coming down to help with that so it should be quite a spectacle and yeah so um hopefully everything going to plan and it is at the moment he's touching a piece of wood here as he says that um we we, we we're we're we should be on for on for doing that so uh, launch. yeah what's uh what game have you got planned is it just to throw everything on the tables kind of thing no i think think the idea will be to show off some mechanisms so i have a suspicion it'll be probably something fairly simple along the lines of a soviet assault on a on a on a, on a nato prepared position but we'll we the idea will be i want to get those helicopters in the air and the jets and the um you know we we we, 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 we do like a bit of smoke on the table occasionally so but i am drawing the line i've made certain things much more expensive it was that we had a, a really 
sort of tragic incident where we'd prepare this is one of those games of you know you know we we where you prepare a game for 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 days um someone rocks up with a u.s marine corps on a beach in norway and uh the russian player gasses him and he loses everything um he's he has spent he has spent months painting that army so and, and, and I, whilst I, I did the Russian did sort of shrug his shoulders and go it's doctrine and I went yeah but come on now so 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 certain things are going to be a little bit more expensive to use purely from a from a moral perspective more than anything else um, yeah they're, they're in the rules you know that's fine but the idea that you can sort of suddenly wipe out sort of someone's army with one go I think you know yeah let's let, let's let's just moderate that bit folks but so no so it'll be It'll be nice terrain, probably a village or two in it, some maybe a bit of amphibious work going on across a river. Um, I could just see my terrain builder at the moment writing all this down and going, oh no, what is he let me in for? Um, but a lot of this stuff we've got, we've got some really nice uh, terrain. This is this is from the Cold War Commander group where we, we play these big games on a regular basis. Um, so um, in fact, we even did a Kiel Canal one where the Russians made it across the canal eventually after two days of fighting. So, um, but yeah, so yeah, we'll see. I, see where we end up. I, I would suggest somewhere, somewhere along the uh, possibly the the German sort of um, uh, um, sort of uh, East German uh, um, border, maybe. We'll see. Brilliant. You've just uh, hinted at it there, actually. Um, I know, uh, and we spoke before pressed record about Richard Phillips. Uh, and these these big Cold War commander games. What's what's that all about? Because this does intrigue me, and I have communicated with Richard that I'd love to get up and just have a look at what goes oh, on. Oh yeah, no, well, okay. So, so so this started many years ago, and and it, there's a whole bunch of us, and Richard is the is the driver behind it. And um, so the idea is a sort of what we call a two and a half day game. So you turn up on a Friday to help set everything up, and and we're basically playing an attack on West. Western Europe by the by by the Warsaw Pact, um, almost day by day. So, um, but we but so it doesn't become too boring. We actually move the front. So, you know, for example, I think the last game that I played. Um, we had. I'm just trying to think what this was. This would have been Arctic Strike Two. So we'd done the cycle. So we were fighting in Norway, um, having done five different battles between Nor the first Norway day and the last one, if that makes sense. So, um, so you've got fronts, right? So there's a, there's a thrust on Denmark. There's, um, I think the Dutch and Belgians and Americans managed to hold the Soviets and the East Germans at Hanover. Um, notorious incident of Fry using large scale artillery to take out uh, an autobahn bridge, which had a tank's division on it um, um so that was quite helpful sneaky um, sneaky, <laughs> sneaky but he you know he, he did, did continue to do that um we the, one of the interesting games was again was sm a small forces game down in the balkans where you had greeks and turks facing bulgarians um and there was an american in fact i was able to, I, I quite like fringe armies so uh, i had um an 82nd airborne so i was able to use airdrop sheridans which which and and a whole load of um um basically light jeep armed troops um and and that's not bad against yugoslavs and bulgarians it's not you know first grade kit um but i also look and um, we played a game i'm trying to think where, which where we were where this was this was 
Um, I'm thinking geography-wise, where it might be is somewhere in Northern Europe. Anyway, I think it might have, might have been in, in in Denmark, where I was using one of the American um, light infantry divisions, the high-tech divisions with the fast, um, the FAVs basically, which are the sort of these four-wheeled sort of dune buggy type things. Um, so that's quite fun. So um, so so yes, I, I know I I like most Cold War commanders and uh, have got acres and acres of armor. In fact, I've got a big Dutch. And, and and Swiss uh, sweet, uh, Swedish army, but um, so so the idea effectively is you build your for for the Cold War commander games you build your force based on an order of battle. Um, so effectively, you know, you will present to Richard. I'm going to use the the Dutch, you know, 22nd Armour Brigade or whatever it might be, um, and you convert the order of battle into a tabletop force. And then you arrive with it and you are deployed by the NATO commander, if you're the Dutch, um, into wherever your defensive zones are and effectively, you know, wait for the Soviet on, you know, onslaught. Or in some cases, I think we're we're actually in counterattack at the moment. So, you know, it's it's it's, you know, it, so and, and, and it, you know, we set up on a Friday, Friday afternoon, we play two full day. Well, well, a day and a half, I suppose, fully, and then un unpack up on a on a on a Sunday, and we're all in sort of you know accommodation B and Bs or whatever it is locally overnight, and a few beers and stuff. So it's good fun, but but the planning that goes ahead, because again, you know, it's it's that thing about you know what kind of force am I bringing? You know, is it going to be right for what I'm given? But actually, again, you know, typical NATO, you might turn up and be put somewhere completely different, and you go, oh, okay, I've just got to cope with it. And it's all it's all six mil. So it's you know, it's so it's um you know all those good old sort of heroics and Ross and, and um uh, Scotia Grendel and G G H Q or whatever it is they call these days, you know, um stuff. So uh yeah, it's good for and, and the nice thing is you get to use all the stuff you wouldn't do normally. So, you know, I've got a I've got a Soviet sort of engineering brigade that seems to spend its life just trying to clear minefields at the moment in the in the latest game um but but it you know you know you need bridging equipment you need trucks and supplies because you're going to run out you know and you need to make sure that the lines are kept open you know you're going to need to make sure um you know you've got the right amount of aa in the right place at the time um and i do feel strongly for uh, this was alan again alan milligy poor old alan was playing a game and into dropped his uh, his VDV unit um, in on the table to take an airfield and ended up miles away and scattered everywhere um, in traditional paradrop type. Um, yeah, but it, it, it was a tough game for poor old Alan. So. <laughs> You've still got to smile there, haven't you? Yeah, well, and, and that's the point about it. Is, it's it, not it, real life. <laughs> it's Exactly. It is not yeah. real life. Um, and, and, the, and again, and Richard produces this beautiful terrain and he is, he does that almost 100% himself. It's his big contribution to, to, to the games and you know i would say you know for anybody who can go for a hunt for cold war you know, hunt, hunt down the cold war commanders uh, blog site and um look at some of richard's terrain it's just oh i mean you know i don't bother making terrain anymore it just like my, my 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 simple um sort of you know sort of little, little scratch built things just pale into insignificance of it yeah. i think the last i think that one of the norwegian ones has got a beautiful um uh, ho branded hotel that he's built with car parking spaces and everything in it it's one of those so uh but uh, uh yeah 
Well, yeah, he has mentioned about me popping along and having a look, so uh, I'll certainly look forward to that uh, and uh, maybe maybe even throw some dice across the table from you, Mark. And, uh, that would be lovely, or, yeah. or, or alongside me, yeah. So it depends yes. on, your, your, depends on your, your, your penchant, as it were. In terms of, <laughs> but, uh, well, I, I need to read the new rule book, obviously, to see what's, well, what's the latest yeah. hotness. <laughs> yeah, um, it should be should be pretty balanced. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, just, uh, good. Well, I'll look forward to that, and uh, hopefully uh, catch you at Partizan and uh, and see the uh, see the game in action. Uh, it's been great to chat to you, Mark. I, I think that's been a really good uh, deep dive into uh, the development of the Commander series from. Um, what, whatever it was that uh, happened to uh, Blitzkrieg Commander 3 to where we are now with a successful relaunch and uh, Cold War Commander on the horizon. Um, the last bit uh, of the podcast, Mark, is uh, th- there's two requests. Um, I've made you aware of one because I know you've prepared. Ooh. But <laughs> okay. the, the, fir- the first one is really easy. The first one, first request is that you agree to come back on to the show at some point in the future. I would love to. And I, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to come on. I, I, um, you know, I, I va- you know, it, it's extremely valuable to, to, to talk um, to, to, you know, I'd say, say a wider public, but also I've enjoyed it tremendously, Sean. Thank you very much. It's, no, it's, good. it's, it's been great fun. Yeah, no, it's uh, equally straight back at you there, Mark. It's been a good, good fun. And the second one is that we have the long-standing God's Own Scale virtual library, where I ask guests to deposit a book, maybe two, maybe three, onto the shelves for our listeners to uh, take a look at, should they okay. so wish. Right. So I'm a you know voracious. Um, reader uh, i read a lot of sci-fi but i'm not going to give you sci-fi books i am going to save that until we do a conversation about future war commander because I think, yeah because i think i think you know some of the stuff i'm reading is influencing what's going in there so that's that so um so being topical let's have a look so one of the books i'd recommend is the war with russia by general sir richard shiraf um which is yeah, very unfortunately topical, but it's a really good read. Um, I, I doubt you sent you sent the link through to me earlier on, uh, Mark, and I've I've downloaded it and made a start uh, this afternoon, and it is incredibly topical, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, a real tragedy, obviously, what's going on at the moment in Ukraine, but. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be quite a scary read. I think it is. It is a scary read, but 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 it, it might. It, you know, it's one of those things. I think it's helpful so for, to understand things. Um, couple, couple, I mean, I, I've got about six things here, so I'm going to whip, whip through them first. I think first clash, if you can get hold of it, is a really good book. It, it's it's um, about um, uh, potential Cold War you know scenario war um but from the point of a canadian tank commander um and as i say i couldn't find an isbn for it um but i think you know I, i've i've put down the the list um uh, on the list for that so it's written by a chap called kenneth McCa- i think it's maxay or maxay um and then obviously the ultimate is the the you know the third world war by by hackett um you know it's it's still as ever a good a good and interesting read and sits alongside some of the tom clancy stuff or you know the harold coyle stuff that that is is written as fiction um so i'd recommend that i, re- I read that book when i was 13 
um, Mark, and it scared the living daylights out of me. I was early eighties, and uh, you know, do you remember Threads? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So Threads was a, um, I think it was a BBC, who a, a drama uh, based around the after effects of a, a nuclear attack on on britain uh and i think it was a bomb over sheffield and it followed the family or various people actually uh who, who survived and what happened to them uh they might they probably didn't wish they'd survived uh i imagine but it scared the bejesus out of me and round about the same time i read this uh by john hackett and equally scary yeah it is it is it's it's a very good one um um so some general books um and this, this again, I must have read when I was, I'm trying to think, maybe 16, 17, something, or, or, or maybe maybe a little bit older. But this is The Face of Battle by by John Keegan. Brilliant. Um, so whilst One of my favourite books. Mark. It is. It's a, yeah. it's, it is a great to understand what goes on in combat and the way it's analysed. I think, and, and, and I'd recommend if you can get it, apparently the Folio Society did produce um, an illustrated one with diagrams maps paintings and photographs um um i i don't have the isbn for that but because i don't think if it's folio society you, you can I, i've not managed to find it but, but mine sits my copy of the original sort of what i bought sits on the shelf um well thumbed and and i reread it regularly and, and I, I find that's good um more modern uh, book is haig's enemy by uh jonathan boff again i think a brilliant book it's a very rare brilliant insightful look at the other side of world war one um which you don't often get and it's based around the um the, the whole sort of um uh sort of the going to war if you like of crown prince um ruprecht um and, and i just found it absolutely fascinating to see that flip side and there's so little written about it even though there are vast german archives there's very little interest in it so so for, for me i would strongly recommend it it's a it's a really strong book um and then finally it's a bit of light relief which is um a book that i read when it first came out and i roared and roared with laughter and i still read it now i'm is, smiling i'm smiling yeah it's yeah it is it's just everything that the gay you know and i was that boy you know i i i grew up with with you know an uncle who'd been in a japanese civil war you know a, a prisoner of war camp a, a, a grand you know a grandfather who'd been a bomber pilot another one who'd fought in malaya you know it's um and I, I, yeah, you know, I and, and I started wargaming with guys who had fought in the war, you know, so I, I went through the whole thing. And, and as a youngster, um, I, I earned a bit of pocket money by cleaning up in an old Polish uh, in, the, in the Polish club in Luton, where I came from. And um, the, the, there was a guy in there who had an arm missing who would tell me endless stories about how he'd fought the Germans. And every time it required me to sit and eat one of his breakfasts which was fantastic but I, and, and i just listened to these stories and and start you know be happy to have a bit of pocket money for having collected all these bottles and ashtrays and things um and um being fed a lovely breakfast so 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 that brings back a whole load of memories and um 
you know, I do think to myself, there's a, there, we talked about this earlier, there's a bit in here where there, there, there is the chap who sits peacefully, who's painting and living on his own. And, and the, the two guys go in to see him and go, if I hadn't met the missus, that would be me on my own, surrounded by soldiers. So, um, but, yeah, 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 there, yeah, but for the grace of God, go well, and it many takes, war gamers. It does. It takes you back to that era of Action Man and Clark's Commando shoes, oh, and gotcha. you know, watching the flashing blade on on Saturday cinema for, for what is it? Sort of, it wasn't fifty p in those days. Or it, well, it might have just been fifty p, but uh, but yeah. So so that, so there's a fair few there. I mean, you know, if you're going to do Desert Island discs, I would recommend. Um, I'd keep the Swine Hood book, and I'd probably keep Face of Battle. But, uh, but there we are. Well, that that's uh, probably my two choices as well. Actually, think I've never thought about this, but yes, Face of Battle is one that I've read many times. I've I've got the audio version actually as well, and listen to that every now and then. But uh, the um, it, I always find it fascinating the three battles that John Keegan talks about. You could throw a postage stamp over a map of Europe and it would cover the three the three battles of Agincourt, Waterloo and the Somme, wouldn't it? It's um it's a well trodden piece of land, uh, where uh, armies have fought over the centuries. Yes, but now that, so. Yeah, but th- that is a great list. You win the title, uh, Mark, of placing the most books on the shelf. <laughs> Uh, I think three was the previous record, so you can wear that badge with pride at your next uh, next War Games Club meeting to say uh, I was the person to put half a dozen books onto the God's Own Scale virtual show. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe I should have saved some, but I, I didn't. No, you no, know, no. It's it's, and as I say, we haven't even gone on to the sci-fi stuff, and, and we'll do that another time. Yeah, I'll look forward to that because I'm I'm quite a sci-fi reader myself. Oh, why? oh good, excellent. Yeah, yeah. perhaps chat offline. <laughs> Uh, Mark, it's been a great pleasure to have you uh, to talk about the BKC and Commander series of rules. Uh, I wish you all the success with Cold War Commander. I'm sure it's going to be a roaring success uh, when it's released, and hopefully I'll catch up with you at uh, Partisan. I'd look forward to it. Do come and find me. I, I will. It would be nice to meet you, meet you in person. And thank you very much for having me on. It's been it's been very enjoyable. Welcome back to the studio. I hope you enjoyed that chat as much as I did with Mark um, talking about the development of Blitzkrieg Commander 4 and Cold War Commander 2, which, as we alluded to, should be out May 22nd at Partizan. In my own hobby update, I picked up an English fleet for the Anglo-Dutch Wars. 
from Tumbling Dice. I didn't know I needed one until my long-time mate and Wargaming opponent A told me I did. So I bought one at Hammerhead. I painted up a squadron and had a game at the club last night using the Grand Fleet action rules from Tumbling Dice. Very enjoyable it was too. The ships are 148 scale and are lovely little things that are robust and paint up well. And I'm very much looking forward to having another go uh, at the rules and painting up a few more of those in due course. The Bolt Action Commission rumbles on and in truth I probably bit off more than I could chew last week prepping and painting 52 figures and two tanks. Still, it has broken the back of the commission and they should look great when they're out on the table. I hope Jeff is happy with them. I've also picked up the beginnings of a new smaller commission from Martin uh, to paint his British, so while I'm on a roll, I might as well carry on. Next week, I have a game with Barry Evans playing Cold War Commander. Barry is a very old... He isn't very old. He's a very old friend of mine probably close on 30 years. Uh, he's the owner and proprietor of one of the best commission painting services out there at miniaturefigurepainter.co.uk. His work is at the very top end of the business and has graced the covers of Wargames magazines and box art for numerous well-known manufacturers and elsewhere. It really has to be seen to believe what Barry achieves uh, on these figures. And you can find a link in the show notes if you wish to check him out. Highly recommended. And the great thing is I get to play a game using figures he's painted. So I'll report back on that next time. Okay, time for me to head off to the back to the cave and carry on whittling away at various projects. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please check out my Patreon site at patreon.com forward slash scale. Every bit helps to keep the lights on at God's Own Scale Towers and to keep my daughter in avocado for another week or two. So, until next time, stay safe, always play nice, and keep talking about six. Brother Bertie went away to do his business all the day. With a smile on his lips and his left hand and pips upon his shoulder, right and gay. As the train moved out, he said, remember me to all the birds. Then he wagged his paw and went away to war, shouting out these pathetic words. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, I'm a dear, baby dear from your eye. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know, I Because I guess the ghost of 